You know, sometimes we just need to celebrate, not just because we believe that it can happen, and not because he's done something prior. We just need to declare that we believe he is doing more today and will do more tomorrow, and that we are living in the days of the miraculous right now, too. So let's just declare, Lord, you are able. And we receive right now your goodness. Amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Go ahead. You can be seated. Mm, love that. Just asking for more and more of God to not to, to show up is such a, I don't, I, it, 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 to show up sounds like he's someplace else, right? So he's here. He's always here. He's always with us. But maybe pronounced and maybe, how about this? Maybe we become more aware of his awareness. His presence, his, his here. And I am just asking, the staff is praying. want you to know, man, we're, we're using the word revival, for, that word means so many things to so many people. For a lot, it's like a, a harken back to some book or some, some story they heard of God doing something 100 years ago or, or 2,000 years ago. I, I just think what, what the Lord's trying to define with me is that revival is just having more of his presence right now where it becomes greater and more and more. He's not inviting us into some type of a, uh, you know, the, like if we, I don't even know how to say what I want to say right now. It's just, it's just more of him. That's it, more of him. And we're praying for more of him. And I just believe we're moving into a greater time than ever before. When it comes to that. So, hey, welcome. Glad that you're here on the way in. Uh, you were handed the notes. You'll need a pen or a pencil. If you like to take notes, there's some fill in the blanks. If you uh, have our app, you can just use the notes right there on the app. If you learn best by listening, that's great too. Um, I've got these three things I want to do before I teach. The message is straightforward. Uh, it won't be a long message. Um, so I've, I felt a little bit of liberty to do these three things. The first one's an announcement. Uh, the second one is an explanation, and the third one is an invitation. Here's the announcement. My family grew by one new member uh, this last week. So let me show you. Look, look right there. So, so uh, Jay and Kate had a little girl, and her name is Ivory Anchor Matat. That's her right there. And Ivory to them is rare, is precious, and is special, an anchor, because God's going to use her to hold things in place, and a beautiful little girl. Seven pounds. Oh, look at that. Woo! Can you believe? This is when you know that, that God's ability to overcome the genetics of me <laughs> and do something like that is so good. Seven pounds, five ounces, 20 inches long. Um, and just the sweetest, sweetest little girl uh, in the world. So Jay and Kate have some time off now to get to be a family, and uh, thank God for, for Donnie and Camille to be able to, to pick that up. They make such a good team together, but we're, we're just thankful to be able to give them that time off as a family and get used to having uh, a little girl. They're done. Um, that's, that's it. So they'll... they'll uh, um, yeah, so that's, uh, I did tell them our, we were done at three too. 
And Katie was the third, right? So the mother of Ivory was the third. And before we had finalized that, twins popped into the... So I tell all of my children that story. Yeah, you're not done till you're done. So there you, yeah, there you go. So thank you for all of your support and your love. And we can't wait to show her off here. And everybody's doing, doing super, super well. Uh, Katie, like right after she gives birth... I, I look, it looked like she went to Starbucks. I mean, her, her hair's all, it's, it's like, you know, I, I, I was more tired than she was after the, the birth. So uh, anyway, how, how, how wonderful. And thank you for your, your kindness and just uh, all of your, your well wishes. We, we appreciate that. That was, um, that was number 11 uh, for us. And so um, how, how the Lord has redeemed my life. God, how he's redeemed my life. So sorry. Uh, here's here's the um, the explanation. Uh, four weeks ago, I stood up and said these really powerful words. We've had the most awesome summer that we've ever had when it comes to giving. And uh, in, in most summers, you hang on by your toenails and your fingernails, and you just try to make it through. And I said, we've just had the most awesome summer. We've given away more money this summer than we've ever given away. And wouldn't you know? Right at that moment, the giving dropped off fifteen thousand dollars a week from that point forward. So I need to say something. Um, if I made it sound like, gosh, I feel like maybe, maybe I was bragging, and I didn't mean it as a brag. I, if I made it sound like we got it made in the shade and that your giving is inconsequential or insignificant, please forgive me. That is not where my heart went. I was just so pleased that we could give away $250,000 to ministry this summer. That's... That just doesn't happen in the summer. That happens like in the wintertime, that type of thing. And so I was so thrilled to be able to say that. And, and I just want to, uh, nobody said this to me, but I just racking my brain like, what, what happened if I made it sound in any way, shape, or form flippant or that your giving it was not needed or inconsequential? Please forgive me because that's not what I meant. It is so consequential. And in fact, one of the things that we kind of, Todd and I, in talking about it, our business administrator, when we did the migration from Alexio, which is what our online, how we did giving and how we tracked attendance and all of those types of things, we, we migrated from Alexio to PushPay. And what we had set up was that so many of you had listened to us and had done the recurring giving thing, which helps us so much when we plan a budget. What we've noticed is that in that migration from Alexio to Pushpay, it's, it's about $15,000 that hasn't made the transition of people doing the, um, that, that ongoing giving, that recurring giving. So I, I want to take a moment and I want to ask you, if you are in a position to be able to do the recurring giving and you just haven't made that migration from Alexio to Pushpay, Please do that for us. It helps us. It's the simplest thing that you can do. If you're like, you know what, without changing your giving, just by doing that, it helps us to be able to plan on an ongoing basis what we do. And it really is simple and it really is safe. And I, I'm just asking from, from the humility of my heart, if I said anything that made it sound like I was bragging about the finances, good golly, I, I forgive me. That was not where my heart was. And your giving is crucial and so important to us. And uh, thank you. So, uh, And then the last one is this, and it kind of connects to it. Um, 
when I plan, so many times, there's just so much that's going on all the time, I forget to announce this, or I forget to say that. And um, uh, in a month will be Rosh Hashanah, which is the Jewish New Year and the beginning of the high holy days for Israel. And um, around here, we hold uh, Israel and God's covenant with Israel, um, which, by the way, you're the benefactor of. We hold it in high esteem. And so I have people ask me, you know, Pastor, it's been a while since you've taught on that. Teach on it again. And so I've planned for the last two or three years to do it. So I want you to know, the end of the month, the 28th and the 29th, because Rosh Hashanah starts that Monday, I'm actually going to do um, just a, a, a two-week teaching on why the feasts of Israel are even important to you. And here's just an interesting thing. If you believe in the return of Jesus, so let me come over here because uh, I'm not, not sure. <clears throat> if you believe in the return of Jesus, okay, so there is good indication that, and I will, I will show you this to you from Scripture, that we can't know the day or the hour because Jesus said only the Father knows. But he did say this, we can know the season. He used that very word, season. And I'm going to show you from Scripture why I believe that when Jesus returns, it will be in the season of Rosh Hashanah, okay, in the new year. And I think it's really interesting. It's really cool. But here's why I'm doing this right here and why I want to throw this out to you. There's a scripture in Deuteronomy that says, when you go to celebrate the feasts, and it's talking about Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and then the Feast of Tabernacles, right? Those three all come within literally a 10-day time of each other. It says, do not come empty-handed to your feast. And so we're getting ready to go to Israel in November. And normally I take up an offering, and you're so generous. That offering generally is around $50,000 that we're able to invest in ministries in Israel. And I have it in my heart this year that I, I'd like to be able to invest over the next year $100,000 in the nation of Israel. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come to you with boldness right now. I'm going to come to you with faith right now. And I'm going to ask you to pray about uh, on that weekend, it's a month from now, would you consider doing something beyond your normal giving, beyond your tithe? Don't, don't, in fact, if you're going to like, choose between your tithe and giving, don't, don't take your tithe and do that. That doesn't help. But this is like giving that goes beyond just like my tithe. It's an offering that I'm talking about. And would the Lord have you do something? Now, those who go here, think about what I'm saying. I never talk about giving hardly ever. I never talk about what I do. But before I ask anybody in our church to do something, I do it. So I wrote a check tonight that I put in the offering because I believe so goes the leader, so goes the church. And if the leader is asking people to do something that they are unwilling to do, then they really aren't leaders, are they? It's not the way to do it. So we have committed to being a part of something, um, want to invest heavily in that because... Um, you know, the Bible says in so many different places, I will bless those who bless you. Speaking of Israel, curse those who curse you. And in you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And then Paul writes this in Romans, that those of you who have been grafted into that branch of Judaism and the covenant that God gave to the Jew, listen to this. He says, you enjoy the fatness, the benefit, or the blessing that I give to them. And so sometimes we're asking God, bless me, bless me, bless me. 
Do you know, I've just learned this, if you want to be blessed by God, just do what he's already blessing and you'll be blessed by proxy. Does that make sense? Pray about this. Won't twist your arm. There's no type of manipulation. But pray about doing something with this. I just have something in my heart that's really deep this year that I want to do for the nation and invest uh, in the ministries there. And I think it's close to God's heart. And so uh, starting the 28th and the 29th of this month, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about that. And then, um, and then after that, I'll give something away. We've got a, we've got a missions um, uh, 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 series coming up called Echo that you're going to love. I'll do this thing on Israel. And then coming into the fall, the first series in the fall that we're going to do uh, is going to be called um, uh, Christians Might Be Crazy. And, and so here's, here's what I'm going to talk about. Um, you know, there are so many people out there who have such misinformed opinions today about what Christians believe, that we're bigoted, that we're hateful, uh, that we don't get it, that we... And, and it's, it is just so wrong. It is so misinformed. It's the enemy having a field day, making the church look a particular way. And so I'm, I'm going to do a series uh, on that that I think will be super beneficial for you to be able to, um, to so why do we believe what we believe? But not only why do we believe it, but how do we do that in the world that we live today so that we don't look like we're just a bunch of cavemen out there beating people up with sticks, right? So we've got something deep. I think you'll find a lot out of that. Just excited about where we're going in the fall. And uh, I said I wasn't going to do a bunch of announcements, and now look what I've, I've done. So uh, enough of that. Let me, um, let me get where I'm going. This is our last message uh, in our series called Above Average. We've used this scripture as our text, uh, our building block, our foundation for what above average is. And God wants you, by the way, to pray above average prayers because he's an above average God. He, um, I, I said this, and let me see if I get a better reaction. How many of you believe that God is an above average father? Okay, yeah. so do you believe that he has above average children? Yes. Good. Because the first few times I said that, people, people choke on that. Like, is it really okay to believe that we're above average? If he's above average, so are you. It's really okay. And I know we're kind of like, ooh, I, I just don't know. So if I said you're below average, you'd feel better? <laughs> Honestly, think about that for a minute. So the series is called Above Average, Ephesians 3.20. Uh, Ephesians 3.20 reads this way. To him, speaking of God, who is able to do, love the word, immeasurably. Because when God talks about immeasurably, you have to realize when we measure something, because of the fact that we have a beginning and an end, even when we think in terms of something that is a long time, because we are finite it still it, it 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 has a a connotation of only so long. But when God says immeasurably, the the the, cre- the the one without beginning and without end, when He says immeasurably, you realize we're talking about two different things, right? Yeah. So when God goes to Him, uh, when Paul writes to Him, God who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, and then here's the caveat according to his power that is at work within us. So it is great to believe that when we pray, God wants to do immeasurably more than what you can ask or imagine. I said it this way, on your best day, in your best mood, when your brain is, you know, is, is, is thinking its clearest, when you're the best 
version of yourself. Your imagination is clicking. You're, you're, you're tuned into God and you're, you're full of faith. If you were to write down all of the things that you believe that God wanted to do for you, according to that scripture, it's not going to come close because God still wants to do immeasurably more than what you can ask or imagine. That's huge, folks. Yeah. And I don't think our minds completely wrap around that. And that's why we called this series Above Average. But I think the caveat to that scripture is according to his power that works in us. So I began to try to teach what can we do to encourage God's work in our life. What, what part do we play? Are we just, hey, do we just stand there and whatever God wants to do, he does? Has he called us to be partners with him in the harvest? Does God do his part? but he also has a part that we play in it. How does that work? Because if we're going to believe that he wants to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, but it's according to his power that works in us, what can we do to encourage God's power at work in us? So I want to show you something that we haven't talked about. We've only concentrated on that one scripture, Ephesians 3.20. But I want to read the three preceding scriptures, so 16, 17, 18, um, um, and, and look at what it says about um, God's working in us and, and what that looks like. Because I think, that, um, I think that in order to understand his power working in us, in context, if we read more than just that one verse and we get the idea of what God's trying to say, maybe it'll help you to understand how you can cooperate with God's power working in you. So this is Ephesians 3, 16 uh, through 19. Paul's writing... I pray that out of his glorious riches, speaking of God again, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, he's speaking to all believers, I pray that you being rooted and established in love, look at this, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people, with all of the holy church, to grasp, look at this, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses what? All right, so I just want to throw this out. I want you to picture. So he's saying, uh, here's what I'm praying for the entire church, not just the church in Jerusalem, not just the church that's, that's now beginning to grow. And I think prophetically he was saying, not for the church in 2019 in America. I think he's saying, I pray that all believers everywhere at all time could come into the knowledge of how deep, how wide, how high, how awesome the love of Christ is. But then he makes this statement that's an oxymoron. No, go back. You're, you're going too fast. He makes this oxymoron statement that, that's beyond. To know, to know, to know love that surpasses what? How do you know something that goes beyond knowledge? So somebody threw it out. And it does have to do with experience because I'll give it away and maybe you've heard me say it before. Some things can't be known simply by looking it up in a dictionary for a definition. Some things must be known by having the experience of it. Do you agree with that? Um, your peach pie. Yeah, yeah. You just, she made me, Betsy made me a peach pie and she just can make the best peach pie that, you know, Jesus would be blessed if he had your 
peach pie. Just, you know. So I can sit up here and I can tell people it's just the most awesome peach pie. And all, you'd be like, oh, that's yeah, good for you, Pastor. Have one bite and crack will appear to be nothing to you uh, compared to this peach pie. I ate the whole thing by myself. I didn't share one piece with my family. Not one, one piece. Yeah. Yeah, when I totally, I didn't share one piece of that pie with anybody in my, I hid it. I hid the peach pie. And my point simply is that I can sit up here and I can talk about it. And people, they've tasted a peach pie, so they'll have some room. And they'll think, oh, he's just being nice because she did that for him. I, it's, you have to experience to understand it. And in fact, if you wanted to make a million bucks, go in the peach pie business. Because people would buy it left and right. Okay, enough of that. My way of just saying thank you for being so kind. Okay, how do you know something that passes knowledge? And you might want to write that in there. How do you know something? How do you know love that surpasses knowledge? So certain, certain understandings of things are not known by definition or by somebody else talking about it or by, um, by hearing or watching. Some things must be experienced to be fully understood. And so here, here, get the connection between the two things and let me see if I can if I can do this for you. This is where preaching, and, and when Paul talks about the foolishness of preaching, this is where preaching, it hits a certain level that unless the Holy Spirit can take it right now and turn it into more, you'll get knowledge, but you're not going to get the understanding of the knowledge. Okay, so, so we're, we're using Ephesians 3.20. To him, God, who is able to do immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine. What a powerful scripture. But in order to understand that, Paul actually is teaching this. If you ever want to see God do immeasurably more in your life, then you're going to have to be able to experience how much he loves you. Beyond somebody telling you, you've got to experience it in your life because why would you ever believe God would do that for you unless you've experienced how much he loves you? I don't know if you just heard what I said. So the whole difference between this scripture ever happening for you, you ever having the faith to believe that God wants to do that for you, before you ever, ever will even come close to seeing God do immeasurably more than you can imagine or ask, you must be in a relationship where you are experiencing love that can't be known just because I'm talking about love. It's got to be love that you yourself are experiencing with God. Does that make any sense? So, so, so then to try to get you there, let's, let's do, I think I can break this down enough to make it make sense and then give you a chance at the end to try to, to at least an opportunity to begin experiencing a little deeper love. So that first one, if you want to fill it in, to know love that surpasses knowledge. The way that we know things that go beyond knowledge, that go beyond definition is through experiences. Psalms 34.8, one of my favorite scriptures, uh, I'll quote this often, encouraging people to, to try for themselves. Uh, David writes these words in Psalms 34.8. Read it with me. Taste and see. Stop. Now, you know how this works. We've done this a long time. <laughs> hey, hey, by the way, just so that you know, um, uh, I keep anniversaries and dates in my calendar so that I can, with like with all the staff when it's their anniversary for how long they've worked at Jubilee, I can, um, I can congratulate them. And uh, Ames, my admin, puts that in there. And so I just look today. 
Uh, today uh, is my, my 21st anniversary. Um, for, yeah. Um, so it started prior to that, but it's the, the, it's the celebration of it. Okay. So taste and see that the Lord is good. So for 21 years, when I say let's do this together, we know that it's not listen to me say this. It's let's say it together. So one, two, three. Taste and see that the Lord is good. One more time. Taste and see that the Lord is good. The Bible is so bold and the truth of the Bible is so real that it's not being said, take my word for it. It's like you want to know for yourself, then experience it for yourself. Because if you have the experience, nothing I say will ever come close once you've had the experience. You need to have the experience for yourself. So the Bible over and over and over is inviting us. You need to experience the love of God for yourself. But then he acknowledges, how do you know something that goes beyond just, just, just the, the, not, the word is gnosis. Uh, if, if you want to know, if you're like a studier, uh, so uh, maybe when you were in school, uh, the Gnostics, do you remember what the, the Gnostics were a group of people who believed that by having enough knowledge, that's how you obtained salvation. You became smart enough. The more you studied, the more information you got. Uh, they were, they were uh, a, a movement, a group, a, a religious organization, the Gnostics, and they believed that they had secret understanding. See, like, like there are organizations out there today that if you join them, you can get our secrets and through our secrets, you can become wealthy or you can become this or, and so this, this whole idea of the secret knowledge that the Bible teaches the opposite of it. There's not some secret knowledge. It's just simply this. There's the knowledge that you get in your brain by definition. But then when you experience something, it goes beyond the definition that you read about, Right? So in order for God to do immeasurably more than you can ever ask, imagine, pray, you've got to be in this relationship where you're experiencing this love of God. If you ever understood beyond a definition, but you understood because you experienced how much he loves you, it would not be then difficult for you to believe that God wants to do immeasurably more for you. You would pray that way because you're experiencing that kind of love. And you're not trying to whip yourself. I think he wants to do it. Well, the pastor said he wants to do it. Oh, I, I like myself. I like myself. I like none of those things. It's in that relationship of experiencing his love that, you, that you're tapping into. Of course God wants to do more. He really loves me. How do I know? I've tasted it for myself. It's not that John's up there every week trying to whip me up. For some of us, church is like a, it's like a hit of a drug. Oh, I got it for this week. Dude, stop that. You didn't come here to get a fix. You came for it to change your life. We've got to stop this. I'm there for five, ten, or half an hour on a week. This is supposed to be, a, we're supposed to be experiencing this great love relationship yeah. with him all the time. So that when we come in here, we're not like, hey, pick me up. Dude, we're supposed to come in here and just blow each other away with how much God loves us. What are we missing? I'm breaking my pulpit. I'm <laughs> when I was uh, working at Resurrection Fellowship in northern Colorado, I was on staff up there. 
And uh, for those of you who ever made that drive up I-25, um, it, it, they're not there anymore because the church has changed hands and um, a lot of the land got sold. But if you, if you could remember, this goes back you know, 20, 25 years ago, uh, driving north up I-25, there used to be signs. And maybe you saw them. The sign would say, experience Jesus. And then in small letters, at Resurrection Fellowship. So that when you were driving, it would say, experience Jesus. Can I just say this to you? Th- that, those words cause a reaction from people, good and bad. And so listen to this story. Uh, this, this, this dude, his wife comes to, to the church and she finds Jesus and it radically, she experienced the love of Jesus and it radically changed her life. And unfortunately for him, he comes home to a different wife. That's what happened. She was completely different. The things that they were doing together prior to that, what, how they were partying and what they were pursuing in life, her, her priorities all got changed because she experienced this love of Jesus. She still loved her husband, but the things that they, it just changed. Just listen to this story. And the dude was so mad at the church that he got a chainsaw. And in the middle of the night, on I-25, he got out of his car and he cut the experience Jesus signed down. Right? Cut it down to the ground. And it was a huge billboard. I mean, one of those really big billboards, right? And so we have no idea. And your mind goes through all this like, who would do something? It's probably a bunch of Satanists out there against our church. And they all gathered together to burn it as firewood. I'm, you know, you come up with all these different things. Well, it's a mad husband. It's what it is. He's, he's mad that his wife found Jesus and that our church was responsible for that. But the pastor has this brilliant idea. Listen to what he decided to do. Rather than hate this guy, let's use this as the point of contact to pray for his salvation. <laughs> so we started gathering where this sign was. We don't know who this is. We don't know who's done that. We have no idea. But we just start praying, God, whoever this is. You obviously are trying to get him. So God, we're just praying him in the kingdom right now. And God is my witness. He shows up at the church within months, gives his life to Christ, and then confesses to the crime. Wait, 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 it gets better. The 700 Club finds out about it. And they send a camera crew out. And they do a big story on this guy. And they, just, they show the reenactment of the, you know, if you've ever seen the He's all, <laughs> and it just totally, so totally changed his life. Listen, the only reason I'm even telling you this, when you experience, really experience, it changes everything. So many people who go to church, you, you're, you're, you see someone else's experience. There's an uplift. There's a, uh, it makes you feel good but you're not experiencing it for yourself. And so therefore, it's just, you know, that thing that you've been dealing with in your life for so long. Yeah, man, you feel better, but you just can't, you can't get past that. That thing's been good, you, you know, since you were 10 years old. It's just, you're stuck. And you're going, you do all the things, and you wonder, why, why am I not, why can't I ever get past this? John, I believe, so you get up and worship, and yes, God, and I'm believing for him. I need the devil pushback. I need to be, I need, I need a miracle in my, and I can never seem to get it. And I'm telling you, it's not about you trying to get more faith, or you praying harder, you finally, you finally, it is, you just need to experience a deeper revelation of how much he loves you. 
Nothing that I can tell you can get you there. And that's why it says, taste it for yourself. Your pastor can be excited I think the thing maybe that ultimately what resonates, the reason you pick this church and you come back, because what resonates in me is resonating at you. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yes. But it's not enough for it to resonate. Uh-huh. You've got to taste and see for yourself how good he is and how much he loves you and that it will never change and that everything I've ever talked about and every promise I've ever told you is not conditional. God's not, it's not, there's no carrot and stick. There's no anger. There's no judgment. He's not out to get you. All of that was taken care of through if you just knew what Jesus has done for you so that all that's left is for you to experience the great love of the Father. The great love of the Father. And the enemy is so good at, yes, but all the stuff that's in the way. Nothing is in the way any longer. And the cure to the stuff is not you getting a better sin sniffer, backbone, or determination. It's coming into this relationship where the love of Jesus washes through you so that the stuff loses its grip and God gains more. Do you understand anything that I'm saying right now? Ah, the grace of our Lord Jesus, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Some things can only be known through experience. Hot. If you had never, ever touched hot, you could read that it's warmer than cold. But the way to know hot is what? Touch it, baby, because you touch hot one time, and now you know hot, yes or no. Think about this for just a minute. I wrote down a few of them, right? Some things cannot be known by definition. They must be experienced. Cold. You do not know what cold is by definition. You know by cold, by experience. Fast. I've used that one many times. Uh, someone try, If you had gone fast and met someone who had never gone fast, how... How would you explain it? It's like, and it's like your heart, and then, and you get in and hold on. I'm going to show you. It has to be experienced. Listen to me. Joy. Without ever experiencing joy, explain, give me the definition of it. Well, you'll be like, and it'll feel, and well, and you have to experience joy, Donnie, right? So it's all of the things in life that God created that we must taste and see for ourselves, pain. Explain pain. Somebody touches it one time and they know forever, don't they? Ah, let me take you a little deeper. That you would know the love of Christ that surpasses Definition, so that the one who is able to do immeasurably more than you could ever pray or imagine, according to his power that works. What is that power that works in you? It's this great love relationship. If you think it's some dynamite thing, His power that works in you is his love. 
that is ever encompassing, growing, and drawing you rich. That's what it is. Um, I don't know who you are. Maybe you're not in this service. Chris and I grew up um, in Lakewood. She went to um, Bear Creek, and I went to Green Mountain. And uh, we met. She was 16, and I was 17. And our very first date was at a restaurant at Kipling and Colfax. Because when you lived on that side of town, you cruised the facts. And there's a restaurant called Dino's. Anybody in here familiar? Okay. So maybe it was, I don't know who it was that, so we're in bed the other night. We're married. (laughs) And I Google good Italian restaurants by us because we love Italian food. And so an article in Westward comes up, Dino's is closing at the end of September the 30th. And our very first date, 38 years ago, you know who says that? Old people. Old people say that. Our very first date 38 years ago was at Dino's. And so I read that article to her when we were sitting in bed, and I said, we need to go before they close, and then I know how we are. She said, you're right, we need to do this, and then I know exactly what's going to happen. Life is going to happen the very next morning, and it'll be September 30th, and I'll go, oh, we should have gone. So the very next day at lunchtime, I called her. I said, cancel everything that you're doing and get home. We're going on a date. So we go to Dino's. And what's really funny about that is that somebody in our church that grew up, that's our age, that grew up in that part of town, read the same article, and on the same day invited us to go with that. It was one of those guys, I don't even know who you are, who did that. And if you're in this service, thank you for offering that. But I needed to take just her. That's why we didn't go with, with you. And so we sat at a table... And reminisced the last 38 years. A 16-year-old and a 17-year-old and where we were. And that great love relationship. The ups and the downs and all. We're weeping at this stupid table in this restaurant. (laughs) Now, we've been here 21 years and many of you are going to go, I know Chris, I've been in a Bible study with her. I know Chris. I've been on a woman's retreat with her. I know Chris. I've had a conversation. I know Chris. I've prayed with her. I know Chris. I've had a cup of coffee with her. (laughs) Dude, I know Chris. I know her through 38 years. I know her through five babies and 11 grandchildren. And I know her through every up and down. And she knows my failures. And I know hers. And I know her successes. We know each other. And I'm only trying to say we think we know. But it is only through the length and the depth of the relationship that we begin to actually know. And this is what God calls us to. Look at me. He's calling us to this depth of relationship. It is not to come to church and do this religious thing. Or to pray these prayers or to act this way. Or to get rid of all this stuff in our life. And then God's approving. He's inviting us. Come to the table. There's a place at the table. I'm beckoning you. Come with me to this table and let me tell you how much I love you. Let me tell you about you. Let me tell you how I've walked with you and I've seen you when you didn't know I was seeing you and how much I care for you. And all of the flaws, they mean nothing to me. They mean nothing to me. 
Do you hear what I'm saying? How do I, how do I plead with you right now? How do I get in your heart? How do I draw you right now and say, this is what it means to know the love? How do we, how do we grasp something that's so wide and so high and so deep? And so, How? Only through experience. Only through experience. How about this? There are just certain experiences that are worth far more than others are. To walk with you. Over the past year and a half. It's an experience I never wanted. For you. But to see the kind of person that you are. Amy. The depth of character that you have. The way that you've held on to Jesus. Jesus. I'm not just proud of you because you're my kid and you are my kid. But I'm proud of who you are in Jesus, Amy. And some experiences are far more deep and meaningful than other experiences. And all the fun in 35 years of being your dad, this last year, has taught me more about who you are as a person than anything else. And I'm so proud of you. I'm just so proud of you. Some experiences, folks, are worth more than other experiences. And so if your experience with Jesus is relegated to this hour and 15 minutes on a Saturday evening or a Sunday morning, You've missed completely the invitation that God has offered. And it's why when someone can be so excited about the love of Christ and you feel like, what, what, what is, do you just not have a life? Is that why you're so excited? You're missing, you're missing, you're missing. And all I can do is just, oh, pull and pull and pull and just this, yeah. Second, I'm short message, Pastor, right? Uh, yeah. Second one, be time. The first one is experiences. How do you know the love that surpasses knowledge? How do you know something that goes beyond definition? Experiences. The second one is time. Acts 4.13. Look at this real quick. Uh, when they saw, this is the Sanhedrin, the religious ruling council that had the power of life and death over the day-to-day -day life of uh, the average Jewish person and uh, could, could make their lives miserable. And, and Jesus was a threat to, to the power that they held and to, the, um, to, the, uh, to their income. He, he, yeah. So the disciples then, they think they've, getting, they've gotten rid of Jesus. And so now they're dealing with the disciples and that they think, if we just threaten these guys, because they're used to, if, if we threaten and we have the power to do something about it, we, we can get our way. We'll make these guys shut up. But they get a hold of these disciples, and the problem with the disciples is that no threat is going to work because they don't have a definition of who Jesus is. They've experienced Jesus. And so look at me real quickly. You can out-argue with me about something that I've never touched, but if I've got an experience, you can never take my experience away from me. 
you can never take my experience away. No matter what you do, you cannot take my experience. And they had this experience. So when the Sanhedrin saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that these guys, they're, they're not educated men. They're unschooled. They're ordinary. There's nothing special. They're fishermen. They're, there's nothing about these guys that, that gives them the wherewithal to do what they're doing. They were astonished, and they took note of this, that these men had, say it with me, been with Jesus. Dude, there is something about the time issue, being with Jesus, that changes by definition who we are, what we can do, how we can stand, how we go through life, whether or not God can do immeasurably more than we ask or believe according to the power that works in us. It has to do with that time issue. Let me give you two quick things. A great season that took place in my backyard a few years ago, uh, I was afforded the luxury of uh, my office uh, got, got taken away from me and um, we, we ran out of room, so I moved my office to my house. It was fortuitous. I didn't know this was going to happen. And it was right at the beginning of the summertime. And so I would go out every morning. And I love, I just love nature. And I love, I love to worship. <laughs> I don't know why this is so emotional for me. I, I love to worship God in nature. And I love to just read about God and think about God and, and look and tell God how creative you are and how smart you are and all that you can do, God. And I was just having these experiences every day where there was, it was time without limits. I could, I, I'm so fortunate in that you pay me to spend time with God. How fortunate am I? How many of you would trade places? I mean, that, not with the other stuff. <laughs> But to be paid to spend time with God. Ugh. And so I, I had this, this, just this summer where I, I would just spend time with God. And Bob Smith, for those who remember that name, who worked for me and, and helped me initially build this church. Bob Smith, uh, I was teaching. And Bob Smith walked into my office one day and he said, I just want to say something to you. He said, I can tell you've been spending a lot of time with Jesus. And it was maybe the highest compliment anybody had ever paid me about being a pastor. And then I'm going to give you another one. When my pastor had a heart attack and I got thrown into the position of having to be the main teacher and lead the church, I was young, I was in my early 30s, and I was unprepared, and my relationship with the Lord is not what it should have been at the time. And I was standing up trying to teach every week, and one of the pastors on staff came to me and said, I can tell you're not spending a lot of time with the Lord. <laughs> and can I just say it works both ways. There's just something. Yeah. For those of you who know, yes or no? There's something in it. It's not, you can't be Switzerland in this and just everything's all equal. It, it is one way or the other, a great season in my life was just in that time with God where everything I prayed for, it just seemed like I had just such power and such depth and such courage and such knowledge and I could lead and not, nothing was too difficult. And then on the other side, that when that time seems to be taken away, everything is so much harder. My faith is so harder. It, it's, it's hard to believe God to do that immeasurably more seems to be so far away when my time with him is cut back. 
Did you just hear what I said? I'm just trying to teach you something right now that maybe would be so, so good for you. The addition, listen to this. The addition of time to any good friendship. Listen to what I said. The addition of time to any good friendship does something miraculous to the friendship. Now, if it's not a good friendship, time can have the opposite effect. I won't talk about that one. But I've got a buddy named Bill Pearson that every Saturday we've made a commitment to meet for coffee. Every Saturday. Every Saturday. So I've done it now for 12 years. 12 years. Just to meet. It usually lasts just about an hour, but we made that commitment to do that with each other. And what that's done for our friendship is the most amazing. It's just the time element that we committed to it. Let me throw one more to you right here that I think is just, uh, it's interesting. Uh, Pastor Terry. Terry, I don't know if you're in here right now or not. Is he? He's somewhere. He'll come, look, he'll come, he'll come running in. I've been here the whole time. Every Tuesday morning at 7.30 in the morning for years, 14 years, 13 years, I don't know, Terry and I meet um, at a bakery and we just spend an hour just downloading with each other and talking with each other and what that's done for our relationship and with each other. And when he lost Brenda, what that did, he told me this recently. I would tell him, Terry, It's not always going to feel like it feels right now. You're going to come through this. I know right now it feels like it's hopeless and you've lost everything. And in a way you have. But it's not always going to feel like this. And he told me recently, you were right. And you just stood with me. And I just needed somebody to tell me it would be normal again at some point in my life. We all need that. And I wonder how many men in this room have anybody you can tell anything to. So women are a little better at this than men are. You okay? I'm not trying to go. I'm not trying to be. I'm just, I know. I can look at, you know what's weird? I can look at, I can see it. (laughs) In the theological Movie, The Shawshank Redemption. (laughs) Red says this, geology is the study of pressure and time. Pressure and time. Give anything enough pressure and enough time. And it's amazing how it can change. Can I just end with this? I want to talk about the beauty of unscheduled time. I worked for a pastor. won't tell you his name. I really did break the pulpit, you guys. Yikes. Wow. Um, I worked for a pastor when I was a young pastor who um, was very busy, and he had a very demanding church, but his ego fed off of it. And... I was trying to figure out as a young pastor, how do I do ministry and be a husband and be a father? How how do I put these in balance? And so I went to him and I just said, 
I can't figure this out, and I need you to help me. And so this is back in the day of daytimers. He opened up his daytimer, and he showed me his wife's name, and he said she gets 30 minutes on this day, and she gets 30 minutes on this day. And that's how he balanced his relationship with his wife. And so I just thought, if I go home and tell Chris she can have 30 minutes <laughs> on Tuesday and 30 minutes on Thursday, after they find my body, <laughs> there'll be nothing left of the relationship. And I listen to this. I actually realized when he showed me that, that I couldn't work for him. I was going to have to quit. I actually realized that at the time. There was no way to balance it. It was, a, it was an impossible um, thing that was put there. And um, it, it, was a, it was a lesson to me on the idea of just, just how time works in relationships and what's, what's necessary. Now, the problem was that, um, so I, I ended up telling him, hey, I, I can't do that. And he said, then you can't work here. And I lost my job and I worked, listen to this, one year to the day. That was my first ministry experience. And I felt like the ultimate failure in ministry, and I'm never going to be able to do this. I'll tell you what God gave back to me. We moved, was in Lakeland, Florida. We moved from Lakeland, Florida to Lexington, Kentucky. And all of my children, I was looking for a place that just really, a church that didn't say family comes first, but everything else was that the church and people came first and your family. Do you know how many Pastors' kids hate church. I didn't want my children to hate church, man. I wanted them to love the church. This is God's his bride. And I wanted my children to love the church. So I make this really hard decision, and I lose my job, and I'm embarrassed, and I go to Lexington, Kentucky. And we had a porch swing. And Amy was five, do you remember? Six, five? It was in Lexington? Yeah, seven. seven. And I was sitting on the porch swing, feeling like a failure. And she came out and sat next to me and started talking to me about Jesus. And I asked her if she wanted Jesus in her heart. And she said, yes. And I prayed with my kid on a porch swing without trying to say, we've got 20 minutes to get this done. And then I led my son Brent to the Lord. And then a couple of years later, I led my daughter Katie to the Lord. I got to do it. And then I led both of my twins to Jesus. All five of my children, and their mother's the one, but I was the one that got to pray with them. And I'm just going to tell you something right now. There's something about this. People ask all the time, you know, Pastor, when it comes to the time issue, is it, you know, how do you have the quality versus the quantity my only answer to that is I've never been able to have quality without quantity. I don't have a better answer for you. And in my relationship with Jesus, look at me real quick. 
I've tried it all. The one-year Bible, the five minutes a day, the 10 minutes before you go to sleep, the whisper in the car. Here's what I found. My relationship with Jesus works when I just spend the time with him, man. And it's changed everything. And it's given me all I have. And I don't come with some kind of a message with a formula because there's just no formula to it. This great love affair that God invites us into, your part of according to his power that works in you, if I haven't lost you, here it is. You let his power work in you by just simply giving yourself to him. It's not you can have five minutes or ten minutes or I'll read through my Bible this year. All good things, by the way. Wonderful things. But it's just this natural, hey man, 38 years of an awesome relationship. Look at me. I am so sick of people telling me this. You were lucky. We were not lucky. We were intentional. We were intentional. And we pulled each other back from the edge more times than anybody in this room knows. More than anybody in this room knows. We would be embarrassed if you knew the times one of us fell over the edge and said, that's it, I'm not, we're done. It was through the intentionality of just, and that's how it works with Jesus. Do you get what I'm saying right now? And I joked a couple of weeks ago, like, you know, Pastor, the older you get, the longer you take, man. Here, it's 5.30, no doubt. <laughs> My staff's going to get on me this week. I'm going to hear all about it. And, and then I feel the pressure, you know, hey, we'll, we'll go to the church where fast Jesus lives. Okay. <laughs> you know, I just... I take caring for your soul seriously. I'm pleading with you right now to not give yourself to me, but to give yourself to Jesus. And I'm trying to tell you that if you do it, the reward is so huge that an hour and a half, you will not feel like you did me some favor. You might actually thank me for the outcome of a relationship with God that's immeasurably more than all you could ask or imagine. And I long, I long to take us to that place, man. That's where I'm trying to go. That's what it's about. Camille's going to come. Donnie, they're going to sing this song. All it is is this. As we transition out of this service and back into life, it's a moment right now. It's just, let, let's not say, hey, you've got two minutes and 33 seconds in order to capture my heart. Let's just say I'm going to sing this song right now. And I'm just going to love on Jesus. But more than that, I'm going to let Jesus love on me. And if you're here and you're just like, I don't even know what that means, then taste and see for yourself that he is good and he loves you. And if you do know what I mean, but you feel like, oh, I'm just missing it, Pastor. I, you said earlier, I just need God to come by. I need him to do something in my life. You don't need God to do something. You need God. The byproduct of the relationship with God is the stuff. We need to quit the stuff and just go, Jesus, it's you. It's you.
And I just want you. I just want you. Oh, God. Oh, God, hear the cry of my heart, please. We just want you. We just need you. And if we have that, we have everything, God. Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you for wanting us to know how deep and how wide and how high and how great your love is. And the great mystery is our brains are not big enough to comprehend it. So you allow us to experience it. God, help us right now. Work in us so that we may experience your great love. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please stand to your feet and allow this moment in time to be experiential for you. I just feel in my heart tonight that this is a time of connection. Um, saying a time of worship, I think, has a lot of preconceived notions about what you have to do or what it has to look like. But I want to invite you into a time of connection, into a time of whether it's big and a huge response or it's silence in your heart, a time of connection. I felt the Holy Spirit prompting me this afternoon that there are people in this room that believe that they've had to live their lives alone, that 2019 has had to be a lonely year. It has had to be a year that you have to be strong by yourself. And that's actually a, the biggest lie in the world. That's not the promise of Jesus. The promise of Jesus, if you read in John 14, is the promise of the Holy Spirit. And one version even says that I will not leave you alone the way that you have been left in the past. I will not leave you alone the way that others have. So as we sing this song, enter into connection, enter into the promise that you are not left alone, that you are not left alone, that you are always brought closer, that you are always brought nearer, <laughs> that the depths are so deep that even as we test the limits of Jesus's love, we find that there's no end, that there's no end. And that just like Pastor John was saying, that the love that he gives transcends all understanding, transcends all knowledge, transcends even our rules and our doctrine and our theology, that it goes above and beyond and it's for you and it's in your heart. It's Christ, the hope of glory in your heart. So let's just enter into connection tonight.
promise that you will not leave us lonely like people have left us before. We will not be left alone like we have been left in the past. That there's no question, that there's no question, there's no testing, there's no skepticism that could ever hold a candle, that could ever sit on the throne of Jesus, that could ever be in the presence of Jesus, that all fades away. So Jesus, we just choose to enter in to connection, to enter into the promise of connection, to enter into the nearness that was the promise, that was the crescendo of the cross, that we would never be alone again, that we would never be alone again. We thank you for your nearness. Even now, God, as, as we leave this place and as we go about our week and as we live in the mundanities of everyday life, that we would just be caught never feeling lonely again, that we would be found with the presence of the Holy Spirit right beside us, right beside us, right beside us. Thank you, God, that you are right beside us. Amen. Amen. Well, we bless you. We love you. We believe in the nearness of the Holy Spirit with you as you go about your week. We're just going to continue to worship for a little longer if you want more time, but be blessed. We'll see you next week.